<laughs> Hi everyone, this is Candice. This is Erica. I'm Crystal. And we're from Six Side Collabo and today we are at the pleasure to speak with Monica Lysak, Professor of Early Childhood Education at Sheridan College. Monica was a professor of ours last semester and we're very excited to have her here to talk about our Indigenous Early Childhood Framework. Uh, Monica's been a long-time advocate in childcare and we have a couple questions we'd like to ask. Uh, so the first that we wanted to ask Monica was, uh, how did you get interested in the Indigenous framework or any of the other government policies surrounding uh, early childhood? Well, it's interesting. Uh, thank you for inviting me, by the way. I, I uh, am really enjoying the opportunity to have these conversations with you. Oh, this is fun. So the Indigenous framework brings together two issues that, that I've had a long-standing issue, uh, interest in. Sorry. Uh, so the indigenous issue, um, going back, you know, many years, I worked uh, with indigenous communities in in Saskatchewan, and so really learned a lot about about the issues related to childcare and other you know other things, governance issues. Uh, and then the other thing that I did was when I was with the government of Saskatchewan, I was involved in uh, negotiating on behalf of Saskatchewan with the federal government around different policy frameworks and initiatives uh, similar to, to the Indigenous uh, Early Learning Framework. Okay. So it's bringing those two interests together. Sorry, could you elaborate a little bit more about what you did in Saskatchewan again? You, So um, I worked for the government of Saskatchewan. I, I initially was a licensing officer and then got involved in, in federal, provincial, territorial relations um, and huh. negotiations. And so Going way back to 2000, um, there, when Jane Stewart was the federal minister, um, there was uh, the uh, Early Childhood Development Agreement. So that was really the first um, agreement that, uh, that provinces and the federal government came together on. But that was not specifically... Um, Childcare? It, it was general child care, though. It wasn't Indigenous policy. It was not even just child care. It was, general, it was actually to address the question of child poverty in Canada. So oh, what did we okay. need to do to address child poverty? And child care was one of those pieces. So that was the, the, the first framework agreement, really. And then uh, it moved on to the multilateral framework on early learning and child care. I think that was 2003. So I was involved in that negotiation. And then in 2005, there was a, um, uh, an agreement, really the foundations program, the first real national child care program. Um, and by that time I had left the government of Saskatchewan and was actually working as an advocate in Ottawa. And so worked with uh, Prime Minister Paul Martin and uh, Minister Ken Dryden uh, wow. as they negotiated those agreements with the provinces. I'll be honest, I don't think that, oh, oh, I know, speaking for myself, I was not anywhere near in these times knowing anything about those policies or what the people were doing, or never mind out in Saskatchewan, but not even in Ontario, so I wouldn't even be able to add anything to that. <laughs> well, it's interesting, isn't it, how, how these things happen behind the scenes, these policy pieces happen behind the scenes, and most of us aren't even really aware of them or what they're meant for. And so I think it's really important that you are looking at, at this Indigenous framework. So in our first podcast, we were talking about the Indigenous Early Learning Framework and we were 
sort of analyzing it and talking about it briefly and we thought that it was it lacked in detail a little bit um do you agree with that what do you think monica you know it's true when you read when you at first glance i guess it can look uh very general and light on details but i think what that allows for is communities to actually interpret it and implement it in flexible ways that are important to them. So when I look at this framework, I actually think it's hugely progressive for a couple of reasons. The first one is just the fact that it exists. So um, historically, when I was speaking earlier about the, um, you know, the, the different agreements, uh, there has always been, oh, and by the way, we'll have a little pot of money, you know, here's a million dollars for indigenous peoples. So constitutionally, the government of Canada is directly responsible for, for uh, indigenous peoples, and so it is imperative that that there be real action and investment, not just, uh, by the way, here's another little pot of money. So this is so significant uh, because of that. I had the opportunity uh, in November uh, on National Ch Children's Day, uh, I was at a child care strategist meeting in Ottawa, and we had a guest there from the BC Child Care uh, BC Aboriginal Child Care Society, Karen Isaac. Um, and I, so I, I had the opportunity to listen to Karen talk about the framework. And I think that the most important uh, takeaway that I had from that was how, well, in fact, we were saying at the meeting how envious we were because the Indigenous communities were consulted um, directly at a grassroots level. So mm -hmm. the rest of Canada, the bilateral agreements and the multilateral framework agreement were just imposed on people by government. Uh, but the indigenous framework was actually negotiated from the ground up, which is why we ended up, not surprisingly, with three really different three ones. different frameworks in one. So one for for First Nations people, one for Metis people, and one for Inuit people. Yep. Um, and and so I, I, I actually think there is a lot of depth there and a lot of um, space for each of those three groups uh, to really own and, um, and flourish within that framework based on their own uh, identities and, and needs, priorities. And, and that's so funny that you were saying that because we were discussing that we thought that there were three distinct um, groups there and we we were wondering why they had to share 30 something pages between the three of them yeah. so it, it's a good like it's a completely different way of looking at it that they were included that they were you know it was negotiated that and the reason why it it does look like that is because there's room for manipulation there's room for improvement there's room for community involvement in general absolutely and, and uh, another interesting point that Karen made was that um, well uh, in, outside of the indigenous frameworks um, governments are just implementing it right they're just imposing it um, it's actually the communities themselves who are going to implement it so so again this is for the government of Canada I think this is a big step to recognize um, you know the indigenous rights, uh, people's people's rights, and um, their their commitment to self determination and to implement this in their own communities in the ways that they see fit. fit. Not that government has to oversee. 
so Monica, last semester we remember doing a research project on indigenous uh, children and we researched and we found that there were over 600 nations unidentified. Do you think that in the near future um, that early learning framework is going to start to expand and um, trickle down to the rest of the nations? You know, that I think that is what makes this so complex and so profound, right? So on the surface, it looks it looks quite simple. Yeah. And, and, you know, you were uh, rightfully... We were upset about it. Critical of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, wondering about that. Um, but again, because of the local implementation, um, different nations will be able to implement this in different ways. Now, the problem really with it is... First of all, there's not enough money. You yeah. have to start mm-hmm. with something and you have to yeah. you have to build, right? Yeah. So that means there will be winners and losers in the beginning mm-hmm. and so uh, but you ha- but you have to start somewhere. Yeah, and right. you can actually if you start too big, you can actually, you know, trip yourself up because and, you're and trying the whole to do thing too much. It just at once. falls apart. Yeah. And we have to remember again, childcare policy is so complex. It's not just like we say, okay, here's a million dollars, let's create some childcare spaces. So we need capital, we need you know, money for bricks and mortar to actually you know, build buildings, Physical or retro- spaces, retrofit yeah. buildings. Um, we need, to, and, and um, you know, we need to ensure that we have well-educated early childhood educators um, to and work in this, those. And in this case, they have to be specific to serving mm-hmm. a group of people. Exactly, yeah. and so do we have indigenous-based post-secondary education. So your your education here at Sheridan is quite, um, you know, quite general, yeah. um, with very little Indigenous content, quite honestly. Um, so, so, you know, that has to be addressed. So all of these different pieces have to be put in place, um, and, and those issues have to be addressed before it can, can grow bigger. So I think I'm hopeful that this framework does create the space for that to happen, to get a good start, to begin implementing in communities, by communities, to address their own priorities. And as, that, as those seeds start to grow, um, that that will um, allow the other nations to continue to build on that success yeah. and to learn Absolutely. from each other. Um, it's funny that you were also mentioning that, uh, like, there's very little Indigenous content in in what we do in our uh, in our program. So every we're like ever since your class, I think we were just, like super interested. And, yeah, and, yeah, involved in we're, wanting to learn more about. <laughs> every chance we get, we're doing something on on Indigenous early learning. I'm so happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so far, funny thing about that is that so we didn't know going into every time we went into in, into a class and we. Pre- proposed this project or we did it on some subject and then we would present it and our professors would be so happy about it oh my gosh like I can't believe you guys chose this topic it's not chosen uh people don't necessarily look into this and then we'd be like oh yeah we really like it we started uh in your class like oh but you know I used to do that what we never like uh, Dasha was uh, explained to us that she worked uh, with did some yes. indigenous work. Yes. Uh, Catherine, Catherine as well. As well you yeah. mm. so like every time we, yeah. I mean, and it's and we're not exposed to that until we bring it bring up, it up mm-hmm. right? Which is I thought that was really interesting because really you guys do have experience. You have like real life experience to bring to the table, and we don't get it until you know we have to ask because it's not really put into the curriculum. 
to curriculum so much. You're hitting on something that is just critical to this this entire issue, and that is the whole question of Indigenous rights in Canada and the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. So here we are. We've you know we're. We have the truth and the TRC, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. We have recommendations. We have mandates that we're supposed to address, and yet here we are, sort of plodding along. And most of us don't really know. Yeah. And so, how do we light that fire? You know, because each time your groups present, um, you or your group presents to other people, you're sort of lighting that fire, so they go ahead. Yeah. But what happens? I think. Unfortunately really for question. us, it's where we're presenting to the same thirty people. Right. right. <laughs> but still, they, they still pose different questions each time. You can see that little flame start igniting. And they and, are interested. And they are really interested yeah. in it. And I guess, well, I mean, obviously, what we're hoping to get out of this podcast are our listeners to really want to continue to learn or mm-hmm. you know indulge in some more knowledge on what they can do even to yeah. to incorporate themselves into these indigenous children and and families mm-hmm. yeah maybe we can work towards like um having courses to educate us right because even when i was doing my research in donna's class last semester for applied research methods um, I stumbled across quite a handful of students that didn't even know who indigenous like what it meant. Mm-hmm. None of that. So mm-hmm. maybe we can work towards having um, a course so that it's not completely completely oblivious, and so um, professionals are informed and you know uh, to be extra like you know culturally sensitive if they if they work with children that are indigenous somewhere along the lines. Absolutely, it's just extending mm-hmm. that inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Monica, now that the uh, framework has been signed and is in its beginning stages of implementation, um, do you see any issues around further or beginning implementation? Yes, uh, that's a really good question. I think it's it's um, it's as though we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for you know for decades, for millennia, <laughs> for this to happen. Mm-hmm. And then when it happens, the nature of government is here's the money you have to spend this this pot before the end of the fiscal year and then there's another pot and so because of those government rules it means that there's pressure to implement really quickly and to get things rolling and sometimes that could create issues too just rushing the process exactly so you know you have to get things in place and get people ready so um so i think there may be some some stumbles out the gate but overall i'm i'm confident that uh the communities will be able to really make this their own and uh, and succeed with it have you by chance heard any news of any of this being anything new or i you know that the i know there was a meeting of the chiefs and uh you know they were working on on getting the communities uh ready to to actually accept the funds and begin the development um and I have not heard any, you know, any uh, positives or negatives. I think everyone's hard at work trying to get it out the gate. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Monica, for coming and sharing your wonderful knowledge. I know that I learned a lot. Yeah, definitely absolutely. got some we insights. Got, we, we saw like a flip side of the coin, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I really appreciate uh, the invitation to talk to you. 
so guys, I think that was a great podcast. Uh, Monica sort of came in with her microscope and really spoke to us about what was important. And we should really see this short, small, what we find tiny anyway, uh, framework much more than what it actually is. Yeah, it was definitely great to have her open our eyes to a whole other side of what we were not seeing. I feel overlooking. I want to say overlooking. Yeah, I overlooking. Think. Yeah, it's a good word. Okay, so um, yeah, I think that the microscope was really good. I, it definitely shifted my opinion on what the framework might be. I would probably like to go over it again with fresh new, less critical eyes. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that we talked about was how long it took to get the framework. And I think that's probably what fuels our fire in kind of wanting more and wondering why it's not you know bam 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 like why didn't we get everything all at once why has it taken this long and then once we finally got something it was you know something that we found underwhelming so I think uh maybe looking at it again and, and not being so critical would be great yeah I agree um I was also thinking that it's it's just something for us to look forward to in the future to become more um, talked about because in our field it's not talked about enough. Um, looking back, like in our diploma program, we have we've had classes on inclusion, how we need to implement that into our practice, yep. and it's just our topic should be talked about more because then that is branching out into inclusivity for indigenous children and other indigenous educators. Yeah. yeah. Because then we can branch out to those educators and we're also just, we're learning about something new. To be honest with you, it could even be something that like sets shared and apart. Like why do we not have a course on indigenous framework mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. indigenous policy or, or anything really? Like why could we not just take a course? That might be a reason why people come to Sheridan that could set us apart even. Yeah. Right. And we're also like building on our community as well as yeah. educators. Like if we have two sides of educators of indigenous educators and non indigenous educators, we're kind of forming that community. You yep. know what? After this podcast, guys, I'm left with some, like, a hope and ambition to see, um, you know, other nations derive from this framework and um, commence their own and branch out from there and grow, really. That'd be pretty cool. And at the end of the day, it's, it's hard because we're feeling the way we're feeling and we're not even in the position of these people. Oh, my gosh. 100%. Children. So you can imagine, our flames are burning right now. It has doesn't even compare and to these has, native families who have been dealing with things like this. Who are actually going through it. Yeah. Yeah. And their exactly. fires have been wild since <laughs> since a very long time. All right, everyone, we are going to wrap it up. Thanks for joining us. This is Six Side Collabo. Make sure you comment, and we hope that you join us next time.